Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome to Soul to Soul, right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Rabbi Ari Kievman, and I'll be your host here for the next hour. And today on Soul to Soul, we are talking about getting ready for Shavuos. Very important. What do we celebrate on Shavuos? Is it just enjoying some good cheesecake and ice cream? Well, we all know that this Shavuos will mark 3,333 years since receiving the Torah on Mount Sinai. Now, I really wonder sometimes to myself, why is Torah study so cherished in Jewish life? What is its value to me personally? And I would like to discuss and analyze that a little bit with you here today on Soul to Soul. I want to ask you, when you hear the word religion, what comes to your mind? When you hear the word Torah, what comes to your mind? If you look in the Oxford Dictionary, religion is defined as the belief in and worship of superhuman controlling power, especially a personal God or gods. Let me ask you, does this definition resonate with you as describing Judaism? Now let's just discuss this a bit. The word religion often carries somewhat of a negative connotation. Right? Religion, as most people imagine it, is restrictive, it's confining, it's limiting my freedom. Right? It's so black and white, where's the color? God is often perceived as a sort of taskmaster in the sky. If we worship God by following God's instructions, well, God will reward us. As we see in this week's portion, the double portion of Ahar Kosai talks about the abundance of reward that God will provide. And of course, the Torah portion itself this week tells us, if not, we are punished. We have the Tochecha, the rebuke, which of course, if you look at it from the Hasidic lens, is not just a harsh punishment, but rather it's the consequences of not following the Torah. You walk into oncoming traffic, the consequence, of course, is that we're going to get hit by the car. You put your hand into fire, the consequences burn. But that's not the purpose. The ideal is that we follow God's instructions and we're rewarded abundantly here in this world. Now, the Torah, though it contains some beautiful stories and valuable lessons and teaches us humanistic value, right? We learn kindness and charity. So the Torah is not only about his story, it's our story. We learn the value of life. It's got all types of ethics and morals. But it's perceived by and large as a book of rules and restrictions. In fact, the word Torah is unlike the English translation as Bible, which is bibliography. Torah is more it's hara'ah, which means instruction. That's the Torah, right? Now, some of these instructions resonate with us, right? Some jive with modern values and sensibilities. And some at the other end of the spectrum seem completely irrelevant to our lives, even suffocating, right? The rest lies somewhere in between those two extremes. But ultimately, God has an agenda and God's imposing that agenda on us. You know, there's a story told of a chassid who once approached a Jewish man and asked him if he wants to put on tefillin. This chassid, a very famous fellow, and the man says, no, no, I don't, I don't believe in God, right? So the chassid says, neither do I, and that's it. The man looked at him and says, the God that you don't believe in, I don't believe in either. We oftentimes have a wrong perception of God. As Jews living in a modern world, many of our conceptions about God, of religion, of Torah, are influenced by the media, by the widespread misconceptions that are out there. So today, let's explore in honor of Shavuos with a little bit of a, of a deeper, truer perspective on what Torah, and by extension what Judaism and God, is really all 
about. So if the word religion is feeling restrictive and confining or, or rule-oriented in your life, then stay tuned because today we are going to discuss how as Jews living in a modern world and many of us carry deeply ingrained misconceptions about what Torah is and what it offers. So stay tuned. Stick with us because we're going to explore a deeper perspective on what Torah and essentially Judaism and God is all about and why it's so essential to our lives. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to Soul to Soul, right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I am Rabbi Ari Kievman, and today we're talking about the significance, the importance of Torah in our lives as we get ready and prepare for Shavuos, which is just 10 days away. Now, of course, Torah study isn't just about an intellectual pursuit. Many Jewish people, in fact, back in the Warsaw Ghetto, there was a Balagala Society, the Wagon Driver Society for the study of Torah. These weren't necessarily intellectual people, but as Jewish people, we knew it's the source of our life. And it's more than just law. It is something that we connect with every day. But just how important is Torah study? Every single morning, just after, just as we recite our morning blessings after waking up, we say the words, Elu devarim sha'adam It's a passage of prayer that we say each morning. And it concludes with these words. It tells us, Talmud Torah keneged kulam, that Torah study is equivalent to all the mitzvahs. Why do you think Torah study is considered equivalent to all the mitzvahs combined? Now, from the ancient times to the present day, we find documentation of the Jewish, Jewish obsession with Torah study. Under the gravest threats, persecution, pogroms, inquisitions, you name it. From the Crusaders to the Holocaust, Jews sat huddled in hiding. What were they doing? Studying Torah, finding every opportunity. Jews who were constantly being expelled from their lands took with them as their most treasured possessions their books and manuscripts. That's what they took with them to safer havens. In Nazi death camps, the cream of German Jewry, doctors, businessmen, lawyers, publishers, composers, writers, sometimes took to reading the Bible and even to painfully mastering the Hebrew alphabet in an effort to learn before the darkness closed in who they were and why they were about to die. And these words I quote to you from Herman Wook in his book, This Is My God. It's on page 258. So you could see here there are accounts upon accounts in the annals of Jewish history recounting the tremendous sacrifice, the passion for learning, studying, and teaching Torah that remained so strong amongst the Jewish people. You, of course, know the famous story from Rabbi Akiva where he was where he was approached by one of his colleagues at the time, Papas ben Judah, who asks him why he would even sacrifice his life for the study of Torah. And we explained that just as a fish cannot survive out of water, a Jew too cannot survive without our water, without our oxygen, which is a life of Torah. Now bear in mind that the study we speak of, I'm talking about, we're not talking about something, you know, the way it works in other 
in other academic circles or anything else. Torah study does not consist of just simply reading or listening to a lecture or a rabbi's sermon. Or even here on Soul to Soul. Walk into any yeshiva or base medrash right here in Johannesburg. You'll hear a cacophony of voices engaging in this passionate debate. You walk into the yeshiva, you hear people arguing, grappling, dissecting a piece of Talmud, interacting with each other, discussing the ancient texts, all with the goal of getting to the bottom of a complex passage of Talmud or law. We Jews have always been involved, engaged, and known for our unique brand of deep interactive study that some might say borders on the obsessive. Maybe that's why we're called the people of the book. In fact, there's a show here about that. But while we might think that only people of a certain intellectual caliber or those aspiring to be full-time rabbis or scholars are obligated in the midst of Torah study, actually, that's not the case. Maimonides makes it clear it's not only for intellectuals, Every single Jew is obligated to study Torah regardless of our financial status, whether rich or poor, whether healthy or ill, whether young or old. Every single person has to make time in their life to study Torah. In fact, one of the very first values that parents have to teach their children is the study of Torah. We, we you know, when a child could speak, what are the first verse we teach them? Torah, Tziva, Lanu, Maishem, Yaakov. Right, we teach them the Shema. And we teach them to study Torah. We teach them that it's the inheritance of every single Jew to study Torah. The first thing a child needs to know is that the Torah is our morasha. It is our inheritance. We teach this to the child from infancy. We don't wait a few years to see if the child's intelligent enough to study Torah. We don't wait to find out whether the child is willing to take on the responsibility of keeping the Torah's laws. We don't wait to see whether the child will cultivate aspirations to become a Talmud Chacham, a great Torah scholar. Every child, even a child too young to understand the wisdom contained in the Torah, we brainwash them. That's right, yes. We teach them, we clean, we direct them, we channel their minds in the right direction from the very beginning. We teach them as a Jew, the Torah, and everything contained within it belongs to you. It's your inheritance. It is important that we understand the primacy of Torah study. Torah is considered equivalent to all the mitzvahs combined, we say in our prayers every morning. Every single one of us has to study Torah regardless of our age stage, regardless of our profession or intellectual capacity. The importance of Torah study is the first thing we inculcate in our children, we instill in our children from a very young age. Now, of course, you're wondering why, right? Why do you think Judaism places so much emphasis on study? Does the, you know, what is it? Does it even resonate with you? And I want to take a little bit of time because, you know, a lot of Torah, this is a question that I get oftentimes, is it really relevant? What has it got to do with my life? So our focus on Torah study is really puzzling to some because when you study parts of Torah, practically speaking, right? When when you study the Torah's laws, certain laws, for example, uh, you learn the laws of the temple or laws of agriculture, I'm not in that business. This week's Parsha, we read about the Shemitah and the Yovel, the sabbatical and Jubilee years. Shemitah is still observed. Jubilee, it's not observed at all any longer. So what is the significance? What's the importance of it? This is historical 
<laughs> accounts of our of our ancestors that lived so long ago, right? They lived in a very different times and under different circumstances than we do. Many of the legal discussions that are found in the Talmud we're never going to encounter today. The Talmud talks about debates, litigation of donkeys and fields. What has that got to do with me? But yet we still study all parts of the Torah with the same zeal, with the same passion, excitement, and enthusiasm. So what is it behind our fixation with Torah study? What is it that our ancestors were so willing to sacrifice so much to protect? Why is the Torah, all of Torah, so fundamental to Jewish life, to our identity? This is something that is so fundamental to each of us. Why do you make a point of going to Torah classes? Now, some people will say it's spiritual guidance or uh, I, I connect to Hashem that way or Jewish tradition. Now, there are many aspects. You know, imagine that you get your hand on a 25 carat diamond, legally, of course, right? And if you were able to show that diamond to a two-year-old, what would they say? Well, it's a ball, let's play, right? They would try to grab the precious stone out of your hand, throw it against the, the wall, let's play ball. And if you're to show it to a teenager, they might say something else. Maybe, huh, I'm set for life. I don't have to work another day. A business person might say, well, that stone could finance my newest business venture. I could get triple value within a few years. And if you show it to an engaged couple, wonderful. This is, you know, great. This is a wonderful matrimonial uh, um, romantic diamond to have. Everyone sees something else, right? Beyond just the monetary worth. There's something deeper and every person sees a different angle, different aspect of it. Which, which one is it? Right? But they're all correct. The 25 carat diamond could be any of those things. But what is it really? What's its truest, deepest definition, its ultimate value? In order to understand the centrality of Torah, we have to uncover not just what Torah provides us or how it benefits us, but Torah's underlying definition. Right? How can we be expected to appreciate something properly if we don't have a true understanding of what it is? Right? If we can list things that the Torah does or provides, that it guides us on how to live a good life and it teaches us lessons of morality, maybe it helps us become more spiritual people. That's all true. But what is Torah? Not just its value or benefit. What is the ultimate definition of Torah? What is it to each of us? And that's what I would like to spend the remaining time today discussing a little bit about. Because yes, we've learned how Torah is of fundamental value to every Jew. But let's dig a little bit deeper. Let's try to get a deeper understanding of Torah. And, and the most basic reason for the fact that we have a mitzvah to study Torah and that the Torah is equivalent to all the other mitzvahs, right? Why is that? So in Rambam, of course, he explains that when you study Torah, it leads to doing mitzvahs. It leads you. What does it say? That study will lead us to actually perform to do the mitzvahs. Now, of course, true as this is, if we look at it from the most basic level, if Torah study is so paramount because it leads to doing mitzvahs, 
then firstly, isn't mitzvah observance really then more so paramount, more important? And what about the parts of Torah that have nothing to do with practical observance? Right? Think about it. There's so many stories in Torah. And there are so many discussions and, and mystical teachings in Torah that don't seem so practically relevant to my life. So let's look at another layer of reasoning why Torah is so important to us and why in fact it's in a sense even more elevated than the mitzvahs. Torah is in fact synonymous with life itself. The, in, in Proverbs it says Torah is life. Right? The Torah's value goes beyond just the practical instruction about how to do certain mitzvahs, how to perform rituals, right? It's not just about how to pray or how much matzah to eat on Pesach. The Torah is hara, as we said before. It's a guidebook in a much broader sense than just, you know, the specifics of how to do the mitzvahs themselves. The Torah is relevant in all places at all times. We say it in the Shema every day, we should diligently study the Torah and teach it to our children when we are at home and when you travel and all the more so today that's easier like right here on soul to soul when you lie down what should you be doing on your phone if you have your phone in your bed well then you should be reading the Torah right when you wake up in the morning so this is clearly from the Shema that we say every single day teaches us that Torah is not just a religious doctrine, but it's a way of life. Every part of our lives, every moment of our day should be guided, directed by Torah. Torah should be in our minds, it should be in our lips throughout every moment of our day, from the time we wake up till the time we fall asleep at night. Whether we're taking care of our kids, whether we're driving to the the shop, whether we're having a conversation with our spouse, whether we're giving advice to a friend, whether we're working at the office, whether we're eating dinner, whether we're getting dressed, in every single aspect. Yes, every single one of these things. When we're taking care of our kids, we should infuse their education with purpose. We should guide them in their decisions based on the Torah's values. How they should be living in a more meaningful and purposeful way. And you're driving, yes, right here, you're driving, you're tuned in to Chai FM. You're consciously observing, choosing to, to invite positive thoughts in your mind. You're trying to negate the negative thinking. So that's while you're on the road. You're talking, you're having a conversation with your spouse. Well, think of the Torah's value of mutual respect. It's a foundation of a healthy marriage. If we're giving advice to a friend, certainly use the Torah's values to remain objective, not simply react and advise based on our own personal preferences and opinions. When we're working in the office, we should use the Torah's work ethics, the Torah's laws of honesty and integrity. Even if we're sitting in a restaurant eating and we say a blessing in our food and we express gratitude to God for providing us with our needs. Every single aspect. When we get dressed wearing our clothing that's dignified, that's modest. Every single aspect of Judaism is inspired, is infused with the Torah's teachings that guides us, that inspires us. Like a a spiritual, uh, moral, personal GPS. If we tune it into its wisdom, 
we could rest assured that it will lead us at every single turn to the best defin- destination. Even when it tells us to make U-turn, that's reminding us when we have to turn around, when we have to do teshuva, when we have to fix, rectify something in our life. So if we understand that Torah is our guide for life, it's not just a religious doctrine. We understand that when we study Torah, even the parts of Torah that seem removed from our lives, not relevant. If God created the Torah to be a guide for our entire lives, then we can only imagine the infinite depth and layers of lessons that exist in every single word. And if you study this week's Parsha, there's a powerful lesson even from one letter in the Torah. Like buried treasures. The Torah contains the most profound truths of life. Whether we see the relevance of a passage of Torah to our lives, that's a matter of whether we're digging deeply enough to find that fundamental message. The Gemara, in fact, tells us, for the Torah is not an empty thing to you. It's a verse in the Torah. That if it seems empty, it's from me. It's because I don't understand it. It's because it's, I have to dig a little bit deeper than that. So, when we understand Torah in this way, then the stories in Torah are not just historical. It's our story. It teaches us profoundly deep wisdom, fundamental human truths. The personalities of the Torah are not just people of the ancient past. They are mirrors to understanding ourselves, our own lives. Right? Why did the Prophet select specifically those stories in the Torah? Because those stories contain the most profound messages and lessons that we are meant to learn. And I'm sure that our, that our ancestors, the patriarchs and matriarchs, had a much more stories to their life. But if it's not in the Torah, those weren't the messages and lessons that we were told and taught to know. The laws are not just do's and don'ts. They illuminate, they enrich our lives, every single aspect of our life. Every aspect of our life has a message in it. So when we study the weekly Torah portion, it's important to look into the Torah in order to know how to navigate life, how to understand the inner meaning of, of everything in this world. And every single week's portion has its distinctive aspects and elements. When we look into the portion, we have a whole new way of understanding life. As the Alter Rebbe said, live with the times. We have to live with the lessons of the weekly portion. Because each week's portion is our blueprint for understanding our life. It has messages that are relevant to us each life, each week. Because it's Torah's Chaim Ara'a It's the Torah of life, a guide for our life. And when we look into it, it helps us navigate the struggles, the challenges, the different obstacles that we face each week. One of the principal beliefs of Judaism is that the Torah is God's direct communication to humankind. The Torah's author is the Creator Himself who intimately knows more than any other system, theory, or philosophy the inner workings and potential of every single human being. After all, you know, think about it. You know, if you just bought uh, a new gadget... You wanted to know all the best tips and tricks how to use this device. What are you going to do? You're certainly going to look at the user manual, right? And imagine if you had the opportunity to meet with the very person who designed your gadget and ask them all the questions. Imagine you you met Steve Jobs and asked him what was behind every single aspect of the iPhone. Wouldn't that be incredible? 
You wouldn't view the manual as a collection of, 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 of rules. And if you want to know how to best navigate our complex phenomenon called life, well, you want to know how to live happier? You want to be more successful? You want to be more fulfilled? Then why not turn to our designer, to our creator? Let's study our user manual, which is, of course, the Torah. So we understand that Torah teaches us not only about observances and rituals, but how to lead our lives in a way that leads to the greatest happiness, success, and fulfillment. That helps us reach our full potential. And that actualizes the personal and collective purpose for which we were created. Why did God put us into this world? And so, if we understand Torah in this way, then of course, we know and we see how the Torah is so much more relevant to each of us in our lives. It is our direction, it's our, it's, it's our instruction manual. Just as you have an stru- instruction manual for your gadget, the Torah is our instruction manual for life itself. Very interesting, there's a book by Paul Johnson called A History of the Jews. And in this book, I want to just quote to you a few words. He says, certainly the world without the Jews would have been a radically different place. Humanity might have eventually stumbled upon all the Jewish insights, but we cannot be sure. All the great conceptual discoveries of the human intellect seem obvious and inescapable once they have been revealed, but it requires a special genius to formulate them for the first time. The Jews had this gift. To them we owe the idea of equality before the law, both divine and human, of the sanctity of life and the dignity of a human person, of the individual conscience and so of a personal redemption, of the collective conscience and so of social responsibility, of peace as an abstract ideal and love as the foundation of justice and many other items which constitute the basic moral furniture of the human mind. Without Jews, it might have been a much emptier place. Very interesting from Paul Johnson on on a history of the Jews. Certainly, the Torah is ours. We should certainly be tapping into its teachings and be inspired by what living a life by what the Torah teaches us. So if the Torah's value is not just about, it's, it goes beyond just how to live uh, the practical uh, instruction of, for our rituals. The Torah is intended as this guidebook for life and its teachings extend to all aspects of life. Torah contains wisdom on how to attain happiness, success, fulfillment, how to reach our full potential. We'll be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Chai FM. And today we're talking about how to claim your inheritance with Shavuos around the corner, just 10 days away. Let's prepare the right way. Let's tap into the Torah. And we've been talking about the importance, the significance of Torah. And we spoke so far spoke about, in a sense, about how the Torah exists to serve us. 
Right? It's the ultimate user manual for our lives. Helps us navigate and improve ourselves, our relationships, how we interact with the world around us. God created us, and in God's infinite kindness, God gave us instructions. The instruction manual, how to leave, how to live, how to lead our life so that we could reach our potential, how we could lead a life of happiness, of contentment, of meaning, of fulfillment. And without us, though, there would be no need for a Torah. And therefore, I would like to go a little bit deeper into understanding the value, the utility, the importance of Torah. And as we'll discover that Torah, and of course, I mean by us studying the Torah, not just as an existent book, it's not just about guiding our lives and facilitating our spiritual development. But as the Torah itself puts it, that the Torah is God's delight. Torah is God's treasure and delight. These are the words in the Torah itself. The Torah tells us this. And so, as the mystics explain, Torah is nothing other than God's essential wisdom, God's will. It was not created for us. It was shared with us. We study Torah as a means of getting beyond ourselves and getting in touch with God. Now, of course, God and God's infinite wisdom and will is beyond our human comprehension. God compressed in the Hasidic parlance, God, it's, it's a concept called symptom. God compressed his will and wisdom into the Torah that we have before us today. God gifted us with an understanding of his deepest, most essential desires, which is the mitzvahs. That's God's intellect in the Torah. When we learn Torah, we learn what is important to God, what is meaningful to God, how God thinks. We gain insight into and we connect with God's innermost self. And in this way, Torah study is different from any other mitzvah. You know, there's an expression, you are what you eat. We do, we're involved with many things in life. But what we eat becomes part of who we are, part of our flesh and blood. Just as there's eating in a physical sense, there's also its spiritual element. When we study, when we comprehend the Torah, we physically absorb our food and we spiritually absorb and ingest that which we understand. The ideas and concepts that we understand become part and parcel of our spiritual self, our psyche, our personality. When we study Torah, we are literally absorbing God's deepest desires into our minds. We're bonding with God's most personal thoughts with our thoughts. Just like when we eat food, that we ingest it, it becomes part of our flesh and blood. Well, now of course, with any mitzvah you could say, uh, many mitzvahs are compared uh, to, to clothing for our soul. Right? Torah is compared to food for the soul. Food is a much different form of sustenance than clothing. So while other mitzvahs are compared to clothing, Torah study is compared to food. Because yes, clothing surrounds and protects us, it beautifies us from the outside, uh, your suit should suit you. But food is not something that's just on the outside, it's ingested, it becomes part of our very flesh and blood. So in a spiritual sense, we become one with the Torah that we learn. It becomes integrated into our very being. 
When we learn Torah, God's wisdom and will becomes assimilated into who we are, becomes integrated into our perspective on life. We are aligned with the lens through which we see the world. The way we think and the way we speak, the way we act. When we study Torah, it becomes a whole different way. It's a godly way of seeing things, right? The best evidence that you have achieved an intimate oneness with another person is that you start to think and speak and act in, 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 in line with them, right? Maybe even knowing what they're going to say before they even say it. And when we study Torah, when we learn God's wisdom, it becomes part of us. It helps us understand the, the way the world is according to God's perspective. Torah study unlocks our source of insight, not only into life, but into God Himself. And from this perspective, when we study the Torah, even the parts that seem irrelevant or unimportant to us, it gives us a whole different way of understanding ourselves and understanding God. And therefore, every morsel of God's Torah provides another path to understanding our Creator. It helps us develop a more godly perspective on life. Think about it. Think about the, this idea that the mystics, that Kabbalah explains that Torah is more than just a guidebook for life. It's God's essential will and wisdom. And in giving us the Torah, God shared with us His most essential desires how God thinks. We get a taste of that. When we study Torah, we're ingesting God's wisdom and will. And let's try to develop this idea a little bit further in our remaining time. Think about it. This year, Shavuos, in 10 days time, marks 3,330 years since our nation stood at the foot of Mount Sinai where God spoke to the entire nation for the first and only time in history and God gave us the Torah. What's the first thing that God communicated? What was the first commandment? Well, I'm sure we all know. I am the Lord your God. Now the Talmud tells us something interesting about this very first word that God used. Anoichi says the Talmud is an acronym for the words which means I have written myself into this Torah and given it to you. God didn't just gift us with a wonderful resource, not even with an unparalleled treasure. God actually gave us God gave himself to us in the Torah. God wrote himself, as it were, into the Torah and gave us the Torah and himself in the process. What does this mean? In Tanya, chapter 4, it explains this idea that Torah is one with God. Unlike with corporeal human beings, with us homo sapiens, where we can sense an I, a self, that is distinct from our desire and thoughts. You know, that idea of cognitive dissonance, that although the professor could tell the students one thing and do something else, right? You know, I might like chocolate, but I'm not defined by that like. Right? And maybe one day I will no longer like it. I might understand something, but there was an I before I understood the concept. And in fact, I might change my mind about this altogether. So 
the Kabbalists, the mystics, Jewish philosophers explain that God's will and wisdom are not entities that are separate from Him in any way. Meaning God's will and wisdom are not just His attributes, but they express the very essence of who God is. God's will and wisdom are actually one with God Himself. And this is very important. It isn't only that there is one God, but that God is the quintessence of everything. And the deeper we understand Hashem, the more we perceive godliness in everything. So understanding the unity of God sometimes is obviously beyond our human comprehension, right? Because how could us humans ever truly understand God? But the upshot of this is that when we study Torah, we're not only studying about God and ingesting and, and intimately uniting with God's will and wisdom, but we are actually uniting with God. We're spiritually ingesting God Himself. In a sense, Torah is a vehicle and a delivery system for God. Now, it might look like wisdom, but it's essentially divinity. God's wisdom in disguise, right? It's a packaging. So we understand that Torah is far more than a list of do's and don'ts. It's not just a book of rules. It's more than a way to develop our full potential and enrich our lives. It's God's bearing His soul to us, providing us with the ability to unite with Him in an unparalleled manner. Torah's wisdom guides us in every facet of our lives. Studying Torah helps us to reach our full potential. But as the mystics put it, Torah is God's will and wisdom, which God shares with us. Because God is one with the Torah, when we study Torah, we become one with Hashem. And so, if we think of that verse that every child learns, the first verse, Torah Tziva Lanu Maisha, that the Torah that Moshe taught us, Marasha Kielas Yaakov, is in the inheritance, it's the heritage of every Jew. The first simple truth is that Torah is 100% ours, it's our inheritance, it's our heritage. Not because we've somehow earned it or deserved it, not because of anything we do, but simply because of who we are. We're a member of Kihilat Yaakov, the congregation of Yaakov. Right? Like the smile is something we have within us, simply because we're human. Now, the Torah itself is as well our inheritance. We can, we can never say about Torah, this is great for some people, but there's nothing in it for me. It doesn't speak to me. I'm not spiritually or intellectually inclined. I'm not a religiously observant person. It doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't fit with who I am. No. Perhaps the biggest misconception about Torah is that it's a field of study or some other kind of academic topic. The problem with that misconception is that that's not what Torah is. Everyone's relationship with it depends on their level of intellectual capacity. No. We have to understand that Torah is ours. No matter who we are, no matter our age or intellectual abilities or personality or our level of observance. We know that the Torah speaks to every single one of us teaches and guides every one of us in all aspects of our lives. It's the ultimate guide for our successful, meaningful life as we discussed. But even deeper than that, as we mentioned today, we also know that the Torah is not just about guiding us and facilitating our self-development. It's a way for us to achieve that intimate closeness, that unity with God, because in the Torah, God shares with us His very self. And so, 
It doesn't matter how much Torah I know or the depth of my understanding, but the fact that I take the time every single day to connect to study. Not just because I need to know the do's and don'ts, the rules of Jewish observance, but because the desire to connect to God through Torah isn't limited to my intellectual or a, a, a religious level. It's a deep-seated need for every single one of us to connect with Torah. What does it say in Proverbs and Mishle? Ne'er Hashem Nishma Sadam, the candle of God is the soul of man. This means that souls are, as explained in Tanya, that, that the flame of the candle, whose nature is always trying to go upwards. And likewise, the soul naturally wants to separate itself from the body to connect with its source. Well, how do you keep the body and soul connected when we study the Torah? Where we're all looking for direction and purpose in life. Everyone's looking these days. We're thirsting for truth, for meaning, for a higher purpose, for a relationship with God. We look all around us. We have our phones with YouTube. We have self-help books. There's, there's other things, alcohol and other mind-altering substances. Of course, entertainment and all types of isms out there. Different ways to quench that spiritual thirst. But ultimately... As Jews possessing an Ishama Jewish soul, this thirst can only be fully quenched with the Torah. Our soul thirsts for it. And so, as the verse says, Come all who are thirsty, go to the waters. The Torah is our water. And these words, which were given by the prophet Isaiah, Yeshaya Hanavi, is referring to Torah as that life-sustaining and thirst-quenching water, which is the Torah. We have to quench our thirst. We have to drink from these, from the Torah, which sustains our life. And thereby, when we realize that the Torah is ours and belongs to every single one of us, it is a deep-seated need for every single one of us. But of course, as we say in the Shema, it's not just to keep for ourselves. Vishinantam levanecha, we should teach it to our children, whether it's our biological children or our students. And the Torah is our birthright, as we said, without us having to do anything whatsoever to deserve it or to earn it. It's ours just as your family is yours. Yes, it belongs to us, but we still have to make it ours. And how do we do so? Well, that takes diligence, hard work, sweat, and tears. We have to work hard to make it ours. Yes, it's yours automatically, but you have to work with it. Torah is ours by inheritance, but we have to make it ours. And we do this by studying it, by cherishing it, by delving deeply into its teachings, its messages, speaking about it. As the verse says, when we're home, when we travel, when we go to sleep, when we wake up. And only in this way can we truly internalize the Torah and make it part of who we are. And only then can we truly pass it down to our children. Ensuring that our children receive the formal Jewish education, which thank God here in Johannesburg is so easy for us to achieve. And when our children see that we value the Torah, that we cherish it, that we give them a Jewish education. And that when we ourselves study the Torah, then they too will look up to it. It's not just, it's everyone. Mothers, fathers, 
right? Oftentimes, of course, the legal obligation to ensure that children are taught, uh, are, are given an education of Judaism is the fathers, but it's the mothers throughout Jewish history who were the ones who, Shema Beni Musara Vicha, the fathers were more disciplinary. The mothers were the ones who were able to, in the very best way, inspire a love for Torah. And so, my friends, let's just think of the ways that we could inspire ourselves and our children and our families as we get ready for Shavuos coming up next week. That indeed, we talk about the Torah as our birthright but we recognize that we have to make it ours. We have to do whatever it takes to ensure that it continues to not just survive as we have, but to thrive through the generations. And we do so by studying it, by cherishing it, by delving deeply into the Torah's teachings and speaking about it at every given opportunity to ourselves, to our children, to our family, to our guests, to our friends, to our business associates, to whomever we have. We live a life that is inspired by the Torah. And make sure that next week, when it's Shavuos, in a week and a half's time, that you and your family will be in shul to once again receive the Torah and the energy of Torah anew on Shavuos. With that, my dear friends, I wish you a wonderful day and a meaningful Shabbos. Carpe diem sees this every single moment. Because remember, yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery. But today's a gift of Hashem, and that's why it's called the present. So remember the past, live the present, and trust your future.